Five on the clock. Four on the clock. Fred, the deep three. Scotty with a turnover, Scotty P exploding to the rim. Oh, yeah. What's up, everybody? It's Gary. Welcome to Hoops and Cards. Hey, guys uh, and girls, ladies and gentlemen, I am here to talk basketball card investing collecting, forecasting, evaluating, enjoying, displaying, uh, speculating. Did I say investing? Okay, I've ran out of ings and I'm just here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Busy weekend, lots going on in family, work, and also basketball cards, NBA. Always a good time. I did get to a card show for a little bit on Saturday there in Canton, Ohio, Tozies, thank you, Mike, and everybody else for putting that thing together. Uh, I went in saying, I'm going to focus on leveling up, and I'm taking cards to trade, and I just want to get me some Ja, Ant-Man, or some Darius. Actually, I didn't even say Darius. It was like, Ja Morant, I want to get the cards I've been talking about. Leveling up, PSA 10. 10, not 9, not 8.5, not 7, PSA 10. Hmm, why am I saying that? Well, I think those are highly sought after, easier to resell for strong value, and are the the first cards people are going to be thinking of buying, where you'll see an increase as the season approaches. Hey, we're not there yet. Buying season is going to last a while, but I think Anthony Edwards and John Morant will be two of the dudes. The dudes the guys that people will be going after first as they get ready for next season. Why? Because they're young, they're awesome, they're going to be all-stars this year, they're on playoff teams, and they're just a blast to watch. Anthony Edwards, if Anthony Edwards and the T-Wolves are coming to town this season, NBA fans will want to go to that game. He is must-see TV. John Morant, even more. Must-see TV, Center Top 10. Everybody wants to see him. And his cards did the same thing last summer. Like last summer, in fact, I said this to somebody at the show. I was pointing at a PSA 9 John Morant Prism rookie that right now is just beaten down again. He had 75 bucks on it. I bet he would have taken 65, right? Maybe he would have. I don't know. Maybe that was just his, like, he just got it and it still had the 75 sticker. He's like, oh, no. John Moran, I heard on this podcast, this guy from Canton. Well, dude, first of all, it's not Canton. It's Canton. You don't have to spit when you say the T, Canton. No, it's just Canton. And uh, second of all, the jo- like those John Morant cards, they were beaten down last offseason. And then when dude started playing like an MVP, which was pretty much right out the gate, like I think he's going to do again, again, John Morant is going to be an MVP candidate, period. Why? Well, if you're listening to this podcast, you already know why. Like, he is a leader of a team, an unstoppable scorer, three-level scorer, entertaining. He's that guy who his team, they walk out onto the court, 
and he is the shortest guy on the court sometimes, and he can jump over anybody and dunk the crap out of the ball. Like, Ja Morant is the show, and Anthony Edwards is the show. Now, there are other guys who we think could be must-see TV someday, like Luca is clutch, Trey can shoot, Lonzo can do a variety of things, but guys, none of those guys can dunk and fly and shoot threes, like my man Ja and my man Ant. Now, are there other players that, yes, what was my point? I went to the card show looking for those guys, and... Also saying, hey, I don't want to spend all my time or lots of my time in the dollar box, the $2 boxes, looking for little budget buys. Here's the deal. That's where, that's like, that's like my stomping grounds, people. Like, that's my MO. That's like half of my 16, 18 months of podcasting has been finding good bargains in those and finding the, you know, going through some guy's box of, parallel cards marked as listed and he's got some Giannis net marvels that's mint and he's asking 10 bucks for it I'm selling it the next day for $65 on eBay like there there are deals friends if you're willing to look in those cheaper boxes there are there are people showing up at a card show with hey there's this card's 50 cents and I'm like really I know 100 people on eBay who are paying 7 bucks for that card I'll take it So I'll buy a stack of 50 cent and dollar cards. And yes, I don't want to disappoint any of you. That that is one thing I did at the card show. But I want to get to uh, this whole leveling up process. For me, I took, I basically, I went into the card show three ways. First time I went in just looking around, didn't have anything with me. Second time I went in with the box of cards that I brought that I thought were worth showing to people that I was willing to trade. And then later on at the show, I'm like, all right, there's a card I really want. I'm going to pull out the big guns. I went back out to the car. I came in with eight, eight more cards that these were like, <laughs> these are the cards I've already leveled up into. And if they can help me get to a next level, I'm willing to package deal. And I had my chance. I shouldn't say that. I had my eyes on a card that way and that was the Darius Garland Upper Deck Goodwin Champions rookie autograph card where he actually writes out his whole name Darius 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 Garland I like that's a nice card man and he had a good price on it if I had that amount of money and felt like spending 500 bucks or 600 bucks on on a card that would have been one of them but guess what I didn't have that much money I did have a number of cards in my very special third trip to the car to bring out trade possibilities, but we didn't work a deal. We weren't able, it was, there was two, yeah, the cards that I thought he might value, he wasn't interested in. All right. So you live to trade another day. I did make a trade though. And this is just a Cleveland thing. You'll go to a show in, in a local area and you might find four or five uh, dealers with tables, or you might be in, in your area, say you're in a big city and it's, uh, Portland, it's Los Angeles, it's Atlanta In Atlanta, you might find a number of guys that have, that have like incredible displays of Trey Young cards. This was one of those, like I'm a Darius Garland collector 
and a Darius Garland investor. And I have, at this point, probably, I'm probably closing in on 300 to 400 Darius Garland cards. And most of them are rookies. And a lot of them are, well, let me just say this. Most of them are cheap. I would say maybe I have 40 or 50 that are like, wow, that's a, that's a good Garland card. So I, I gradually built up that base and I'm like, and then I run into this guy <laughs> and he shows up with two display cases full of Darius Garlands and every last one of his is better than 99% of my Garlands. And so- All right. So I don't, I don't really know what happened there. I was in the middle of telling you guys that I ran into the future me, a guy with a bunch of real awesome Darius Garland cards, future me in the hobby. You know what I'm saying? Where you meet that collector or that dealer or that business and you're like, hey, maybe someday, you know, when I grow up or when my card collection grows up or when I guess my cards would look as as great if Tyrese Maxey wins the MVP this year, barely edging out Darius Garland, LeBron James and Jalen Noel, then then I might be like closing in on this guy's greatness of cards. But all that to say, uh, one of the reasons he's where he's at with his uh, cards overall and with his Darius Garland stash, just a treasure trove of Darii, is that he's always always looking for buying and buying, collecting Darius Garlands and selling them because, hey, he's, he's a local star superstar and uh you know how it is your local guys you think they're better than they really are i mean maybe there's a just the hometown hero or the the your regional team that you root for anyway they 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 just have an extra draw it's like if the browns ever had a good quarterback oh never mind we're not talking um so i was able to trade four darius garland cards for one and if we took the higher recent comps of all those five cards in the deal, he probably got the better end of the deal card value-wise overall. Like, at the same time, I got a card that I really like that I know it's going to be more difficult to find because it has Darius's autograph on it. I wound up with one of those that you uh, that people were pulling out of those packs at the National, so the National Sports Card Convention, and Darius Garland signed it, D. Garland, and then it was numbered out of 75. So it's a, looks like an ace of spades with Darius Garland, his autograph, and number to 75. Check out our Instagram. I posted a picture of it, at Hoops and Cards on Instagram. And that's my segue to, man, Instagram and this podcast, I've met so many wonderful people. Today I want to bring one of them on uh to have a deeper conversation about his journey as a card collector and the things that, that he liked to think about, ask, watch for in the NBA and, and card values that way. And so not only that, he started a podcast. And so Keith from Hobby Time with Dirk Nashty is going to join us after the break. I love just saying his podcast name, Hobby Time with Dirk Nashty. And so the Mavericks fan thing is obvious, but that's that's pretty cool. 
his podcast started several months ago, and I listened to it. I think I've listened to every episode of it, and I enjoy it. I listen, and I learn some stuff, and I'm like, this guy, this guy's put in some work, and uh, he's, he's like, just, just putting the, the content out there because he enjoys talking about this stuff, and if it can help any of us, great. Well, <laughs> it's funny, this interview we had, or this conversation we had, a little bit ago that I'm going to play for you, like, at the end, we kind of bring up something where he pointed something out to me and the rest of us on the Hoops Plus or the Hoops and Cards Discord, and I was like, dude is, dude is spot on, and I'm going to, I'm going to put more emphasis on those things, or I'm going to go out and look to buy one or two of those things, and that's exactly what I've done. I'm pretty pumped about it. So after the break, we'll talk with Keith, or as they know him, in the uh, interwebs, Dirk Nasty. Dirk Nasty. You know, he said something, I listen. Hey, everybody. It is great to have some focused basketball card conversation with one of our own from Hobby Time with Dirk Nasty. Man, thanks for joining us today here at the Hoops and Cards. Yeah, thanks for having me. I- I'm excited. It's been awesome, like, not only, like, knowing that you were into basketball cards from, I mean, you probably started listening to Hoops and Cards not, not long after we started, and uh, and now you you have taken, as far as the research and, and planning ahead and understanding the relationship between NBA and cards, like, that's something you, you seem to just thrive on. Yeah, I, I just, I enjoy it. That's <laughs> I as I, as much as I like the cards, I like to I like to kind of do the research and stuff just as much. Like that's that's the part that's fun for, for me. So, so yeah, so yeah, so Keith, how did you get into like maybe let's do a little origin story? Like how did you get into basketball cards in the first place? Well, I mean, like most people, as a kid, I collected cards, but mostly I collected baseball cards. And then uh, going into high school and college, like I I really didn't do all that much, but I started branching out into football. And then, and then at some point after that, I've just packed everything up. Well, once I got back into it around COVID time, like everybody else, I was looking at all my stuff and it, it had been 10 years or more since I had <clears throat> pulled out my cards. And I, I was like, I don't care about any of these. Like, I like basketball. I've always liked basketball. I've played basketball growing up. I have no idea why I didn't collect basketball cards. But uh, yeah, at, at that point, I was like, all right, well, I want to get rid of all these, uh, you know, Brady Andersons and Jeff Bagwells <laughs> and <it's laughs> right. stuff that I actually like care about, which is basketball. Awesome. Well, and you, did you have like favorite basketball players growing up that you were like, man, I wish I had collected? Yeah. I mean, I basically all the like the goats from the 80s and 90s. I, I wish I had yeah. gotten on any of that. Right. Like the Bird, Magic, Jordan, like Allen Iverson was a I was a big fan of his Kobe. Like, I I didn't I liked all of them, and I have yeah. Especially once I got back into it, like none of their cards. And I'm mm. based in the DFW Metroplex, so Dirk is Dirk is uh, you know, he's like a king here, and he's one of he's not one of he is my favorite player ever for sure. I I love Dirk, and I I would never claim to be close to him, but I was once six feet away from him in a hotel lobby, which you may have heard about the <laughs> the All Star game. I'm like. I can't believe Dirk Nowitzki is here, and um, yeah, he, he's just a tremendous player, person, and, and anyway, so it sounds like, wh- how about what year did you get back into 
or, or you're like, hey, once I got back to into basketball cards, or what? How long ago was that? Was, I mean, on like in in truth, it was probably maybe the beginning of 21. Uh, but it, okay. but in you know April, May, June of 2020, right after the COVID stuff started, I was when I started getting out all my cards and trying to figure out like, what am I? Do I want to do anything with this or or not? Like I said, I, I didn't collect cards for a long time, but in 2018, I was at Walmart. I've got a Walmart close to my house, and I uh-huh. just happened to pick up a couple Prism Blasters. Like I pulled a Luca Green Prism and a Luca Base, and even like a Green Emergent, I think, uh, out of two blasters. And at the time, it wasn't that big of a deal, or I didn't think it was, and I kind of like thought it was cool, and then I packed them up with all my other cards and didn't get them out for you know two more years, basically. <laughs> And so once I got wow. all my stuff out, I found the Lucas and I started looking up, you know, different cards and everything. I was like, whoa, uh, that's $400 or whatever. Oh, <laughs> wow. Then, uh, in that, and then also, you know, in that time since, like I've been, basketball has definitely been my favorite sport to watch. It's always been my favorite sport to play. And so that was kind of the, mm. like seeing the Luca, seeing the value. And then also just thinking, this is what I like. Why do I care? I, why do I want baseball cards or football cards? Like I enjoy those sports. But I didn't want to spend any time, you know, focusing on them from a collecting standpoint. That was like destiny, getting the Lucas and you being a Mavericks fan. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, about this point, some of our listeners are like, I I think I recognize Keith's voice. Uh, Some of you guys have listened to, I think we've even talked about a few times, the podcast Hobby Time with Dirk Nashti. And uh, we've already talked about Dirk, but you you are Dirk Nashti. How, how did that happen? <laughs> that's, well, I think it's an awesome wife, name. My wife came up with it. I've, oh, had a, I've had a whole bunch of like awful screen names. And then uh, I was telling her I need to find a, a good one. And she came up. So her favorite player was Steve Nash. Mine was Dirk. So we just kind of put them together. And uh, yeah, she she's, she gets all the credit for that, for sure. But it's, Love it. it's, I will tell you, like I said, I've had a ton of uh, really awful handles. Like, this is definitely my favorite one uh, ever, for sure. Yeah, I, you've heard the phrase, behind every good man is a good woman who likes yeah. Steve Nash, right? <laughs> but that's really cool <laughs> that she came up with it. So for people that haven't listened to Hobby Time with Dirk Nashty, you guys, one of the things I love about that podcast and I... Uh, resonate with and I I learn from is that like and and you've been talked about this a little bit before we before we hopped on here you just love to dig into and ask questions and research like you're, you're thinking about the relationship between a guy's play on the court and the value of his cards or comparing him with other players and how their cards do like uh, I think it's it's incredible maybe you could say some of the things that you've enjoyed researching lately well recently i mean just real quick i hit on uh i i was really curious because we've got all of these un unnumbered parallels uh right from optic and prism and all this stuff and i wanted to know if there was a way to like estimate how many there actually were so i have a whole a whole episode on that but most recently i've been i've been interested in trying to figure out of all the rookies in the last four or five classes how can i account for the difference in print runs and try to rank them from a pricing perspective right so like not just saying luca's the most or cost the most and then zion costs cost the next most but where would they rank when i compare them to the other rookies in their class and uh tried to put a list together for that so that's that's the the most recent thing i've been kind of working on at the start there you said the unnumbered parallels and yeah. uh you know instantly i thought about like when i when i came back to this whole hobby i got into 2019 prism and i was 
trying to get the rainbow of Anthony Davis and the rainbow of LeBron James, of course. And I, I didn't really have a clue as to which ones might be overprinted and which ones might be, you know, harder to harder to get a hold of. And now it seems like some really stand out. But I, I'd be curious what you found out about maybe just the prisms at first, that, that which ones are harder to get. Just in general, and this is a big round number, okay? But for the last couple yeah. of years, what I what I found was that there's about around twenty thousand silver prism silver prisms printed for for each player, right? So, okay, I think there's somewhere around twenty thousand silvers between five and seven thousand greens, for instance, right? So there's a, about a quarter of uh, the print run for green prism as there are for silver, I think. Uh, red, white, and blue is about half, so about close to close to 10,000 red, white, and blue prisms for the last couple of years compared okay. to 20,000 silvers. I thought that was interesting. Hyper is super low. When you, compared to 20,000 prisms, there's a, there's somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500 hyper prisms. Wow. So, you know, if we just take the inverse of that, you would expect a, a hyper to be, to cost, what, 20 times more than the silver does? But that's not, that's not really how it, how it works. Or that's not really what plays out in the marketplace. I guess I should put it that way. So those are those were a couple of big takeaways that I had uh, that I thought were, were pretty interesting. Right now is buying season, or there's some some better deals, and some people don't realize some of the realities you just talked about. Like everybody knows bases, you know, crazy high prints, and, and what you just said. I think about silver. A lot of people buy and sell silver, so it's liquid. But man, if there's you said twenty thousand, no, no, yes, that's my estimation, and I. Yeah, I go like real in my in my podcast. I go real deep into like my methodology and all that stuff. But yeah, some, somewhere around twenty thousand silver prisms. Yeah. So guys, if you're looking to get in on a rookie card of a prism, and and you probably learned some other things about like optic or selector, what, whatever. But like with prism, yeah, yeah. If, if you're looking to get in on say a Ja Morant rookie, I mean you can you can always find or sell a silver. But if you get a hyper, or if you get I'm, another one, I'm curious what you found about the uh, disco or the fast break, you know, those with the little shiny circles all over them. <laughs> like, yeah. those, those seem to be lower print, too, or I don't know. They are. Yeah, yeah. So I, I got about my, again, mostly estimation, but my estimation is about a thousand fast break prisms and okay. then less for the colors, right? So a couple, couple hundred fast break reds, a couple hundred fast break blues. Or I think those are actually numbered to 175, but... But yeah, okay. about a, about a thousand of the fast break regulars. All right, so now I'm wishing we had had this conversation two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I wish I knew this two years ago. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, I would I would be buying up the the other Darius Garland cards, and I'm at the point where it was fun getting a rainbow, but it's more fun making money, <laughs> you know, on on flips and things. Oh, I just sold something on eBay. Isn't that funny? Like when you're on the when you're talking. Jalen Brunson, killer crossover, goes right by Mike Conley. Hey, everybody. It was great today to be able to bring you a chunk of that conversation with Keith. Now, there's a lot more to it. We actually get into uh, him studying the last five rookie classes and, and noticing things that some guys... Uh, separate from the rest of the guys in their class quicker. This current rookie class has a lot of good guys, but uh, there's not much difference between the third-ranked rookie and the 10th or 12th-ranked rookie. So 
Jonathan Kuminga, a guy with huge upside. Darius Garland, a guy that has maybe underpriced. And uh, so we had some great conversation that I will probably release on another episode coming up soon. But I wanted to roll this one out to you and uh, would love to hear your thoughts on uh, buying cards based on scarcity, lower prints like those hyper, the purple, what parallels that you like and what deals have you got. So please let us know because that has become a huge priority in investing is buying cards that have a, a limited, a short number, a uh, short print, uh, harder to find those kind of things. Uh, especially when with, you know, basically sub- supply and demand you guys, when it comes to investing. So when the supply goes down or is lower, but the demand for basketball or for a specific player is higher, that drives the price up. That's just Econ 101, and I love that we got some time with Keith. Please check out his podcast about the last five rookie classes. And uh, more information, more of that conversation uh, will be released ahead. But I hope you guys have an awesome week, and I would love to hear from you at Hoops and Cards on Instagram. We'll see you soon. Why did the Orange lose the race? Nobody gonna ask why. Somebody gonna say why. I don't know why. He ran out of juice. Oh, put one of those hash browns at the end. You know, like hash brown team Cobra Kai or something. And then send it to the internet. Yay!